Well, I wonder if you have ever had an encounter with the legal system in WA. Have you been so fortunate? What was it like? How did it leave you feeling? You might have been a witness, a victim, even an accused person. Tell me what that experience was like. You can send me a text on 0437 922 The reason I ask is the Chief Justice of WA, Peter Quinlan, recently gave a speech where, among other things, he called for lawyers to be a little bit better at acknowledging the hurt that the legal system can cause. Now, not the outcome of a case, which is always bound to upset someone, but the process itself, going through that system. That's what I'm curious about today. 0437 922 Let me know what the legal system was like for you. Peter Quinlan, the Chief Justice, joins me in the studio now. Good morning. Morning, Damien. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, now, it's fortuitous that we're talking about this topic today because um, you heard Alison Gibson uh, speaking to me at the start of the program about her experience um, going through the legal system that obviously came to a close yesterday with the sentencing of her uh, sister's murderer, um, her ex-husband, to 21 years in prison. Uh, but some of the observations she made about domestic violence, uh, a super powerful message, I think, for everybody in the community. And you had the chance to have a quick chat with her after that. Yeah, it was a, it was a remarkable uh, interview and the kind of uh, voices and stories uh, we need to hear that, that so um, clearly articulate the problem of family and domestic violence in the community and how insidious it is, as she described it, you know, how wrapped up it is with with lying and demeaning behaviour before it gets to the point where uh, th- there is physical violence. And um, uh, and as she said to the uh, listeners and she said to me then, you know, there need to be male voices speaking about that as well. So it was great to be able to uh, be in the studio at the same time and to hear that message and to be able to say that it's a message that we need to hear again and again uh, so that uh, uh, so that, if possible, we can all see the kinds of signs that she talks about in our communities, with our family, our friends, and uh, and for those of us who work in the legal system, see it as well. Important uh, message. Yeah, and look, a lot has been made about um, the experience of, uh, in general, of domestic um, violence victims uh, encountering the legal system and and the barriers that it can sometimes throw up, and sometimes they are before you even get to court. Sometimes, um, you know, the reservations people have are with uh, the police, um, but other times it is when they, they get to court, and we all know the, the very low rates of sort of, um, you know, conviction for, um, you know, cases that even are brought to court in terms of, um, you know, domestic violence and sexual harassment, that sort of thing. Um, how do you think we can make the court system a better place for people who are suffering through domestic violence? Well, I think one of the things that uh, needs to be done and which is being done and, and you referred to a talk that I gave to lawyers recently is is to be conscious of the fact that in the court system, particularly in the criminal court system and in the, the system involving families and so on, we're dealing with people who are at crisis points and very difficult points in their lives. Now, we can't always, the courts can't always make it right. Uh, The courts have to apply the law and um, sometimes uh, situations are such where there's only one particular legal option. But, But what we can do is to try and make the system 
more sensitive to the fact that people are, are suffering while they're going through the system. And there are all sorts of ways in which um, that can be done and uh, some of them involve actually having programs for support workers or, or people to assist you through uh, court processes and I know victim services and so on do a lot of good work in that area in the criminal space but it also involves all of us who are involved in the system lawyers on both sides, judges, court staff and so on, just being conscious of the fact that um, this is a really alien environment that you come into um, and it's one that uh, it, it's very hard to navigate unless you've got somebody um, sensitive to your difficulties helping you navigate through it. It'd be a terrifying experience, I guess, for some people encountering the legal system for the first time, completely overwhelming. Well, no doubt it is. And in in much the same way as the health system can be terrifying for people when they go into it, you know, when you've got... Or encountering the media. Yeah. When you've got a a, a child who's very ill and you go into a hospital and things are happening around you uh, and professional people are doing the job that... uh, that they should be doing and getting the the results from their professional activity that they should be doing, you're still standing there bewildered, not knowing what's going on around you and just hoping for dear life that um, everything's being done um, properly and in your interests. The legal system's not unlike that. You're going into a foreign environment. You're in a situation in which you're, um, you're already, by definition, um, uh, undergoing some problem and then you've somehow got to negotiate your way through it and you know so it's not just the legal system it's all of those areas in which um, people are taken out of their ordinary day or their ordinary lives and put into um, uh, intense foreign environments and and I think we People who are in those environments need to need to be more empathetic about recognising that that's what sort of environment it is. That doesn't mean we do the job differently in sense of that that we um, that that we can, as judges, for example, make decisions that the law doesn't allow us to make. But it does mean uh, that we're conscious of the impact that every little decision that we make has on people as they're going through the system. Because I can imagine, and Peter Quinlan is my guest, uh, the Chief Justice of WA at quarter past nine on ABC Radio Perth, um, I can imagine that some lawyers and indeed judges and magistrates could get pretty cynical after a while. And those concepts you talked about, harm and care, do they do some of them stop, stop caring quite so much after a little while, after all they've seen and heard in the courts? Um, I don't know people stop caring, but I do know that people get worn down by the work, naturally. Um, cynicism can creep in. Um, cynicism can particularly creep in um, for lawyers who have been doing the same kind of thing day in, day out. Uh, you can get that in any job. And I think that the... The challenge is to find a way to to fight against your cynicism, to understand that uh, that uh, the case that you have uh, today is affecting people in exactly the same way as the cases you were doing ten years ago. 
um, and that you're not just churning through it. But um, you know, we've got to be realistic about it. People get tired and they get worn down, and um, that can and that can have an adverse impact on on the way that you do the job. And that's why one of the things that we try and do now in in the legal system for judges and lawyers and so on is get them to look after themselves a bit better uh, so that they're able to um, approach their job with a with a, a proper degree of empathy and and care. Well, I was going to ask you about that because uh, uh, there was a lot of fuss made a couple of months ago when it was uh, revealed that the DPP was spending, I think it was $160,000 over three years on a therapy dog, uh, the idea being it would provide emotional support to employees. Was that necessary and, and, and reasonable in your view? Well, I think anything that assists uh, people in those incredibly difficult jobs uh, to get through the job and to maintain a sense of well-being um, is something worth exploring and worth considering. And dogs, I have to say, in the workplace... Uh, have an absolutely magical effect on morale. And I can tell you that because I brought my dog into the office yesterday and I walked her around the floors of the building and the registry staff of the court were saying, thank you for bringing her in, you've made our day, etc." So you run a dog-friendly workplace? I do. And um, you've got to remember, in relation to the DPP, there are a lot of um, young lawyers there who are dealing with material every day that um, most people would never have to encounter in their lives. It's the worst components, the worst aspects of human behaviour. Now, um, you could employ a, a, um, a fleet of psychologists to be dealing with people, um, how much would that cost over three years? What's the benefit that you're going to get from that compared to the benefit that you you would get from um, dogs that have been specifically trained for the purpose of therapy? And, well, and, well, I hope and your dog didn't cost one hundred and sixty thousand dollars, but I'm no, sure no. it gives just as much emotional support. She she does the job for for pats and bickies, but she can only come in once a month uh, because uh, she can only do it on a day when I'm not in court. And, of course, um, she's not been specifically trained for the job, so sometimes she's not as much help to people as she otherwise might be. Well, those days will be few and far between, I imagine, and even more so after the recent lockdown. And when we talk about, I guess, the harm caused to people in the legal system, sometimes delays form a big part of that. And I know that uh, what was most jury trials, wasn't it, had to be vacated last week during the lockdown? Uh, In last week's lockdown, I think all of the jury trials that were underway were vacated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all, uh, all of them were in the district court. As it turned out, there wasn't a jury trial then underway in the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens to those trials? How, I mean, do they, they can't just happen next week. No, they have to be listed again. Uh, and um, as with most um, uh, application of scarce resources to uh, multiple problems, what then has to happen in relation to each case is that it needs to be triaged in terms of um, the 
the urgency within with which it needs to be dealt with. Um, that's one of the really difficult things, of course, that um, that we have to deal with in terms of dealing with delays and backlog and so on, is that by, defini- by definition, every person's legal case is the most important case to them. And that's completely understandable. Just as every person's um, family health problem is the most important one to them. Um, part of the challenge in relation to delays and so on is that in allocating the scarce resources, it's necessary to make some kind of objective ranking of which ones need to be heard before others. And that sometimes means that things can be brought on very quickly, but it also means that some things uh, will will take longer to come on. You talk about scarce resources. Would you like a few more resources? Oh, we Well, I think we would all like more resources in, in what we do. Um, uh, the the resourcing of uh, the justice system is in exactly the same space as the resourcing of uh, the other important um, public systems that we have. Um, we're all competing for resources, and um, uh, we can we can always do with more. But um, it wouldn't matter how many resources you got; you would always still need to be engaging in some kind of triaging process to determine urgency and non-urgency, just as you do with emergency departments and elective lists in in the hospital. Um, uh, And we don't always get it right, of course, because um, that's the nature of a human enterprise, but but it's a matter of trying to uh, apply that kind of assessment on a daily basis to... To, to make sure things are, are dealt with um, at least as best they can be uh, with the time we've got. I'm sure you would love to see that uh, that backlog get down to zero, as, as we all would with uh, all of the sectors you're talking about. Um, to close, I wanted to, um, you know, just make the point again that uh, you do like to stay current and modern as our Chief Justice, uh, Peter Quinlan, is in front of me. Um, the last time you were in, we mentioned your interest in Taylor Swift my, and my kids, my kids yes. are getting sick of um, people mentioning that <laughs> well, uh, I did something on Taylor Swift. I'm about to flip the script because in the speech I just mentioned, uh, you made a reference to two other songs. One of them is quite a delightful song, Julie, Judy Garland and Get Happy. I could have played that song, um, but I'm not going to. I'm going to play the other song. Um, would you like to introduce it for us? Oh, good. Uh, well, uh, the reason that you're doing this, Damien, of course, is because it means that, uh, that there's... Uh, there's less time taken up with songs because being a Ramones song, it's probably only about a minute and a half long. You're right. One uh, minute, 30 So you're, you're about to play I Don't Care by the Ramones from Rocket to Russia, their second record. Peter Quinlan, thank you very much. Thank you.